Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce. We're going to continue our lineup series here where we predict the lineup for the Flyers for the 2021-22 season. We looked at the top six among the four groups last episode. This episode, we're going to look at the bottom six for the forwards. So, Joe Fordyce, I will start with you. Who do you like on the third line? We'll start with that. And also maybe a sleeper for the third line as well. So, I would say for the third line, I'm looking at Lawton and Scott Lawton in the middle with Joel Farabee and Oscar Lindblom on the wings. Now, um, the thing I will say about this, and we talked a lot about this the other day, I don't know that this is the ideal lineup for the Flyers. I think this is what it'll be, but I kind of feel like, and this is my sleeper for the third line, is JVR on the third line with him playing number one power play. We talked about this yesterday, or not yesterday, but earlier this week we talked about it, and just how, how JVR kind of excelled on that third line at even strength and that's a good good depth goal scoring to have down there on your third line and and I think that would would work well so JVR would be my sleeper to play on the third line but I think that they'll go into the season with Faraby and Lindblom uh, on the wings and Scott Lawton in the middle Um, you know Scott Lawton really is a player that is such a Swiss army knife to this team he could play top six He could play the fourth line. He could play anywhere he's asked. And he gives you the same effort every night. You're never, uh, you never, after a game, you never look back and go, man, where was Scott Lawton tonight? I feel like you notice Scott every game. Um, And I really think that he's one of those players who galvanizes other players. Um, So I think the players that play with him, they really, um, they really buy in, and I always think it's good for other players to play with a guy like Scott Lawton. So, uh, you know, I think that'll be the line, and we talked the other day about Joel Farabee being a sleeper to play on the first line. So, obviously, that stuff is interchangeable, I think. Um, I feel like Lawton and Lindblom are pretty much mainstays there, um, potentially Lindblom to move up, obviously – injuries and things like that happen but um but i would say lawton lindblom and Faraby with jvr as the sleeper to be a third line player not necessarily due to lack of performance in the top six but due to him having played that role before where you play the you know you play the bottom six at even strength but that number one power play because that's obviously JVR's bread and butter. So that's what I would go with for uh, the third line. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. 
like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I like that. And I think the really good thing about Joel Farabee is he can play either wing. So he can play right or left wing, and that would allow Oscar Lindblom to obviously play left wing on the third line. Um, I think both are traditionally or naturally left wingers, but Farabee can definitely play both. And that would really give them a nice little third line there with a hard to play against center and two young wingers, uh, still young. Um, one that's uh, really proven himself and one that's trying to get back to where he was uh, obviously before his shocking cancer diagnosis that really unfortunately set him back in some ways physically, uh, but nice line line there. Taryn Hatcher, what are you thinking for that third line and a sleeper? Um, mine would be pretty similar to Joe's, but I would say that the, I think the hope for me and not, not at all a reflection on JVR and me saying this, but more reflection on like my hopes for Joel based on how he played last season. I would like to see Joel develop into a position where he's threatening that top six all the time and probably moves into that top six consistently, just because I like a line as a, a quote unquote third line, that's not really a third line of Scott, JVR and Lindblom, because you also get a, a little bit of something out of all these guys that I think would complement each other. Scott's kind of like that gritty, high motor, high energy guy physically will, will get involved and mix things up a little bit. And we saw how much JVR, when he moves his skates last year, just how much even better his hands look and we know how good they are. And then you have a high IQ player like Oscar, who I think if he comes into the season and gets that full off season under his belt training wise, that I like the idea of having Oscar, who's this guy who sees the ice really well. And Scott, who's this guy who's never going to stop working to get into the right spots. And JVR is a player who's got these really tremendous um, hands. I would like to see that together against another team's bottom six, because it should give the Flyers a massive edge in that department. Um, but that also predicates on either Joel playing kind of out of his skates and breaking into the top six, which would also mean, I mean, that in and of itself should reflect positively on the flyers at some point in the season. Um, or, you know, if God forbid Joel struggles, you know, you can give him some breaks on the fourth line where maybe he doesn't play quite as many minutes in, in certain games, because that's the other thing that will be interesting with Joel is that, Last season's schedule was hard on everyone. The season before obviously wasn't a full schedule because of COVID. And when you play college hockey, you don't play a full schedule that's as long as an NHL season. So it'll be interesting to see if Joel physically at any point hits um, some kind of wall this upcoming year. I I would hope not. But um, if you have a, a, a good working line of Scott, Lindblom, and JBR at some point, that gives you a lot of uh, leeway to, to give guys kind of breathers on that fourth line where they don't have to take on as many minutes if you're talking about a young guy, you know, like Joel, who I think last year we saw him play really well at times and play very poorly, quite frank, at other times. And they're, they're, those are the kind of nights where you allow AV to give this guy a blow rather than drag down, you know, a talented third line. So, I would like to see that, but to Joe, to Joe's point today, and even more so last week when he said, you know, the thing is, is that I think if you're a V 
even though he's Mr. Accountability and he's Mr. Like, uh, do this objectively in terms of his approach to ice time and where guys play. I think you kind of have to start with JVR in that top six based off of a, how he played last year, B how much he makes and C his veteran status was on the team and his, and his abilities, quite frankly. But I would like to see Joel earn his way up there because I think JVR on that third line would sneaky make it really hard to play against. Yeah. That, I think that really will be a good battle of who is the second line left wing. Will it be Farabee? Will it be JVR? Like you or said, Oscar even. or even yeah. Oscar Taryn. Exactly. Uh, man, JVR has so much experience, had a really good year last year, uh, was one of their best players. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, um, and he plays well with, with other playmakers as well. So yeah, it should be a really good battle. M- mine looks a little different. Um, I did have Joel Farabee on my second line left wing. So I'm going to have JVR on my third line left wing. And then I have Scott Lawton down the middle and I actually have Wade Allison on my third line right wing. Um, I think that just allows everyone to play their proper spots uh, on the third and fourth line. Um, I think Scott Lawton is the third line center, uh, but he can play wing or center. As we know, he's such a Swiss army knife, as Joe mentioned, uh, that is spot on. And I will say my sleeper there, I would say is Morgan Frost. I, I think Morgan Frost will push for a roster spot and he's not a, he's not a fourth line player. The Flyers have said that, and we know that. And he doesn't have a spot open in the top six. <laughs> I like Morgan. I think Morgan's got a ways to go. I, I, I mean, I don't know what he looks like this year, so I shouldn't say that. But I, I, he was, I, I, don't, I don't want to cut you off. Keep going. And I'll speak my piece later. No, I, I don't think he's going to make the opening night lineup. Um, could he make the opening night roster? Bob? Probably not. I think he will end up starting in Lehigh Valley. And uh, obviously he went pretty much all of last season without playing other than two games because of the shoulder injury. So I think the Flyers are going to want him with the Phantoms, proving himself playing games before he's put back into the NHL lineup. And they have much better depth this year uh, within their forwards compared to last year. And obviously last year allowed him to start on the roster because of COVID and where the Phantoms were, they weren't ready to have a season yet, all of that stuff. But I will say sleeper because Maybe Morgan Frost has a dynamic camp. Maybe he shows, hey, he's ready to provide offense and play center, give them depth. He's not a fourth-line player, and he's not going to have a spot in their top six. What I think that could do is say Morgan Frost wins a job down the middle. Then maybe it allows Scott Lawton to play wing on the third line, or it allows Scott Lawton to play fourth-line center. Uh, Nate Thompson's their extra forward, and suddenly they look really deep down the middle. Uh, With Scott Lawton playing a really big role in the fourth line, or he's playing wing where they've liked him a lot in the past. Uh, he's a good winger. He can play either wing, um, preferably, I think, left. So that's my sleeper. Morgan Frost maybe blows down the door uh, in training camp, says, I'm ready to play now and provide offense, provide a jolt, and, I'm allowed, and maybe he gives the Flyers more lineup flexibility uh, with Scott Lawton moving around a little bit. That would be, that would be my sleeper, a true sleeper, not a guy that uh, I think is going to do it, but – Hey, maybe like that a deep, comes like down. a deep REM sleeper, like a yes. deep REM slumber. <laughs> exactly. I don't, I like the thing that's tough for Morgan and I really like Morgan. And I, I think at first what, like his very first cluster of games, um, when he was obviously like he was scoring, what did he score two games in a row to, in his first two games? And it was, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, he had three points and two goals in his first two games. First two games. Right. Yeah. And he, the thing that's tough with Morgan 
is that, like you said, I don't think they want to bring him in as a bottom six guy. He's not his, his skill level when it comes to certain things uh, is better than that. Um, but he like, in order for him to earn consistent NHL time, he has to kind of put more pieces together more consistently. And obviously he had the injury this past year and you can't fault him for that. And it was one of those, just like Kutz's play, it was one of those weird plays where it's like, this play is going to be a season ending injury for someone. It's so strange, but um, he has to put things together. It's almost like his combination of skill and I don't know how big he is right now, but he certainly, when he came into the league, was very slight uh, and really needed to put on muscle if he wanted to to stay out there against some of these guys he's going to be playing against. It's going to be harder, I think, for him to put it all together than some other guys because you look at like a Nico Bakubel, right? And he's he's not the skill level that Morgan Frost has when it comes to certain things, but he's also like kind of a grinder guy and he can slot right into that fourth line and he doesn't have to put as many pieces together in a specific kind of way in order to consistently get NHL ice time. When they were happy with him and thought he could consistently be on the roster, it was just about him being physical, moving his skates, not making bad decisions. When it comes to Morgan, you want to put him all together in a top six spot. Well, that means that physically he's probably got to be a little bit more engaged than he's been and against other top six guys. That's the thing that scares me with Morgan is that I still think he needs to put on weight based on what I saw last year. And hopefully, you know, that's that recovery from the shoulder injury is completely healed and fine. You know, we all wish nothing but the best of health for him, but he is in a tough spot in terms of where they would like to put him, his God given gifts, and also some of his kind of just natural, uh, like raw materials that he's not the hugest guy and if you're going to put him in the top six, he's physically got to compete with another team's top six. That's just, it's tough. It's tough for a teenager to do. Yeah. Um, it's tough for, you know, I know he's not, he's not a teenager anymore, but like a, a young guy who's not fully grown into like his body and how muscular he can be and putting on mass. That's he's got to go. He's got to go on the Cam Atkinson plan. He's got to get with yeah. Cam. And this is how you fully embrace being a small guy on the wing. Exactly. I, and I'm not, I'm, I'd say that, funny but I also mean it you know he's embraced a guy like Cam who is you know an undersized player but constantly plays around the net he'll you know he'll take a little bit of a beating and score goals for it in front of the yeah. net and Cam's, like you meet Cam he's he's physically solid that's the thing that right. scares and me that's about what Morgan, Morgan needs to become yeah. he needs to he needs to go at training camp and whenever he can go to Cam Atkinson and say how do I become you essentially or this sort of physical um presence and you know that that's how you're gonna that's how he's gonna make it in this league um because as you said you know you he has to be able to compete on the other end of the ice with top six players and you know that's not an easy thing and it's also something that can't be understated because there's plenty of guys that score goals and you need to have that other side of your game. If you're going to play top six minutes in this <laughs> league. And, you know, I, it's a shame that it, I, I was thinking this as you were talking, Taryn Morgan was one of those guys where the flyers bring them up 
and they're kind of like anointed a great player before they ever step on an NHL exactly. game. But and, and you think about a guy like Wade Allison, he was brought up and it was like, okay, let's see what he can do. But nobody said like, this guy's awesome. And then look what he did in his time. And it was kind of like, okay, now he's showing what he can do. Now let's give him the high fives or let's, you know, let's give him the standing ovation after he shows some of what he can do on an NHL rink. Whereas Morgan got that before he ever stepped on an NHL rink. And I think that kind of plays with young players' heads. Um, I really do. And we've seen it with this organization in particular several times over the years. So I feel like everybody, like the cliche is like pump the brakes. Everybody needs to just back up a little bit and say like, let's let this kid develop. He's not Connor McDavid. Let's not, you know, let's not reach constantly for Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. And there's two of those guys. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> you know, and let, let's just see what he can develop into before we start talking about when how you, many goals he can score in an NHL season and those kinds of things before they ever play. And even when you watch, even when the Flyers weren't in a position to make a playoff spot or even games where they didn't win, but, but uh, Wade played well, Wade played with excitement. And the thing that always concerned me about Morgan was after those first few games, it, I felt like this, Morgan never told me this, but this is when I was still on the road with the team. It felt like Morgan played with pressure. And that's, that's exactly to that kind of dichotomy that you were talking about, Joe, is that when the pedestal is higher, there's more real estate to break it down. And when the pedestal is low, a guy kind of gets to gradually build up his confidence in his game. And Morgan's pedestal has always been high. I think partially because like you look at his hands and how quick his release is and some of those things. And it just always was like, okay, let's, let's watch him. do. Let's wait for him to do this thing. Everybody hold your breath. Let's wait until he does this thing. And it's like, well, he might not do that tonight. So that's where it has to come in and be like, all right, Morgan, if you're not going to like flash these crazy quick hands and this, that, and the next thing, every game, then you can't shy away from physicality, which I will say, I thought in 2020 was one of the biggest pitfalls of his game is that I, I thought sometimes it looked like he shied away from physicality. Whereas um, Joel at times engaged in physicality to a point of uh, it not being necessary. And that's when the coaches would tell me like, yeah, we sometimes we have to tell Joel, like we get it, please don't hurt yourself, whatever. And I, I don't know, I'd have to go back and watch like that little sample size of Morgan this past season. But I, I think the recency bias of Morgan getting injured and it being pretty obvious to me that that physical part of his game still very much was where he was probably outmatched it the year before is where the two things colliding is where I get concerned, but he's older. He should be bigger. It's, it's just one of these things where like Joel, I, I don't think Joel got like his adult hockey player physique until this past season. And that's just the start of it for him. I think Morgan still from last year was still pretty small and he'll grow into it. Like we talk about Danny Breer being small, but like, if you see Danny Breer, even today out on a golf course, like Danny Breer is, is still like built more like an adult than Morgan Frost was last year. So it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, Jordan, what a conversation you stoked here. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I would just add this too, like to the, to the whole point of guys being anointed, 
we're in the business of that, right? We, we need stuff to talk about. We, Taryn and I need stuff for pregame shows. And you want to talk about things. And I br- I'll bring up a guy like Tanner Lezinski. When he played last season, what did we talk about in the pregame show? Hey, remember that between the legs goal he scored with the Phantoms? And then all of a sudden there becomes this thing like, well, maybe he'll come out and do that on an NHL arena. But maybe he won't. Yeah. Because how many guys do that on an NHL, you know, do, do that in an NHL game? Not that many. So it, it's this sort of level of unfair expectation that is put on some of these guys before they ever play. And I don't know what makes, and maybe it's the dazzling sort of, it's more of the dazzling stuff than the, the hardworking stuff that gets the headlines before they get to the league. And Wade Allison is more of the hardworking um he does more of the hardworking stuff than the between the leg goals or the lightning quick hands and the things that have people and media members that anointing guys as the second coming before they ever step on an NHL surface. And, you know, I think there's a little bit of that with Morgan. Um, and there was a little bit of that with Tanner, but that's, you know, the player, the, the team has to tr- ignore what people say and, just develop the player outside of what, you know, what I say, what Taryn says, what anybody that writes in the papers or websites say. Yeah. Yeah. Morgan Frost was the cl- the classic um, undersized junior hockey player that put up a hundred point seasons, but obviously that his style of play, his game, um, it takes time to translate to the NHL. Some people also wonder, will it translate to the NHL? Like that style of play with like flashy offense, playmaking down the middle. Um, but as you guys alluded to, not as much 200-foot play. And um, not everyone has to be a 200-foot player. Not everyone's going to be Sean Couturier. But Elaine Vigneault and the coaching staff, they do like 200-feet qualities. And yeah, you have to have some of them. And he also plays a position with fewer spots, uh, center. Uh, but I think with Nolan Pat, there was a longstanding debate when Nolan Patrick was here was, well, where does Morgan Frost even fit? They have three centers above him, and he's not a fourth-line player. Nolan Patrick's no longer here. Maybe, maybe that opens up the door a little bit more for Morgan Frost. Uh, but as you guys alluded to, uh, he will have to prove himself, show that he can play um, more than just that flashy offensive style. Can he affect the game in other ways? Um, but he will have his chance in training camp to maybe open some eyes. And he has the abilities to open eyes. Like he does the things that catch your eye and that's make plays um, and produce offense. And they always say, if you produce offense, if you create points and goals, uh, they'll find a place for you. So uh, we'll see if he can carve out his spot, but it should be fun. I'm glad it sparked some debate. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking and fencing needs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. All right, well, let's shift gears to the fourth line. I think there's going to be a plenty of debate there as well. Joe Fordyce, what are you thinking for the Flyers' fourth line and maybe a sleeper to grab a role there as well? So I'll say Nate Thompson in the middle with Nick Obey-Kubel. I think those two are clear. Um, for that other spot, I, I think things are it, – it's very interesting with the, the fourth line on this team because um, generally, outside of the Islanders, the fourth line is a, a line where you want them to go out, play soundly, and not um, try to do too much. I, again, I say that outside of the Islanders. So, um, you know, th- th- I think those two are a mainstay. And, and the other the other guy, it could, I think it could really be a revolving door. Um, looking up and down the roster, like, you know, you, you see a guy like Jackson Cates played a few games, wasn't spectacular, but he just, he kind of played when he was there. You know, when he was up, he played. Um, and, you know, with Morgan not really being an option um, for for that, I, you know, I, I'm I'm just I'm going to say Jackson Cates. Okay. Um, I I feel like some of these guys that got little little you know cups of coffee in the league last year, some of those guys have to be elevated to an NHL level to see if they um, to, basically to see if they can hack it, and you know that's really uh, what 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 the fourth line is all about and you know we mentioned the style of play with morgan not really fitting in with a fourth line i think you can find one of these other guys um and i misspoke jackson cates is my sleeper wade allison is my fourth line player okay. no you stole mine i was hoping you'd stick with jackson i was like this I guy's skipped, forgetting I, about wade i skipped right to sleep right to sleeper um but wade allison i think is the fourth line and i think he'll he will the way he plays he will challenge for upper minutes, you know, throughout the season. I just don't see, you know, how he doesn't do that. Um, So, so Wade would be my guy because he for sure earned it. And my sleeper would without a doubt be Jackson Cates only because I don't think there's another guy in the minors or a guy that's about to crack the league that fits on a fourth line. I don't think Tanner Lusinski fits on a fourth line. I don't, we mentioned obviously Morgan Frost not fitting on a fourth line. So I don't know. I mean, that's, that seems what, that's what I would go with. I would go with Jackson Cates as my sleeper um, with Wade Allison on the one wing there with Nick Obey-Kubel. And I will say this, if Nick Obey-Kubel plays like he played late last season, there could be two sleepers on this line because if, if Nick Obey-Kubel comes out and plays the style where he's taking penalties 150 feet from his own net, I, I don't know that um, AV is going to put up with that very long um, because I, that, those, 
Some of those penalties that Nick took late last season directly led to goals that cost them games. And there's just no, there's no way to argue against that. And I think the easiest way to get yourself out of an NHL lineup is to take, take penalties 100, 150 feet from your own net. That's in, that, that stuff will drive coaches crazy, and it'll get you benched pretty quickly. And we've seen AV is not hesitant to do such. Yeah, I think Elaine Vigneault's patience uh, ran so thin with him that uh, he might be fighting for his lineup spot in training camp. I don't think anything's going to be given to him. I really think they have the depth that uh, they're going to want to see him uh, earn that spot. Like, he is not a uh, set-in-stone kind of guy. That's just my opinion. The only thing I'll say, Jordan, is I, I think Nick is, outside of the questionable decisions with the penalties, his makeup as a player is tailor-made for a fourth line. It is. So that's why I think, you know, he, he's kind of a mainstay there in that fourth line. I, but, again, the fastest way to get your, your way out of the lineup is to take bad penalties. And he has a track record of already doing, do, doing that, taking bad penalties that directly cost them goals, that directly cost them games. Uh, and that kind of lineage will get you right out of the lineup in the NHL. Yeah, when he's going right, uh, he's north-south. He's forechecking you to death, and uh, teams love that in their bottom six, in their bottom six, and their fourth line. Taryn Hatcher, how about you? What are you thinking fourth line wise and sleeper? I think fourth line to start is Nate Thompson center, uh, Wade Allison, Nico Bakubell on the wings. My sleeper for this is I'm going to go a little bit different when I do this. Is that if anybody is out of that fourth line, it is going to be Nico Bakubell. I I think Wade Allison has shown. Um, I think a, it seems like the guys enjoy playing with Wade Allison. They enjoy the style of, you know, hustle and, you know, willingness to be a grinder and willingness to also like flash some skill and, you know, really assert yourself as a, as a goal scorer a little bit in the small sample size we had last year. Um, and I think that the issue to what both of you were saying is that I think Nico Bakubell and it's a new year, and I'm sure that there'll be a bit of clean slate approach to, to the fresh start. But the problem with Nico Bakubel is, has been, and even outside of games, was that mentally it seems like he just isn't there sometimes. Like, you, you wonder about his decision-making, and it's not just limited to, to bad penalties at times. Like Joe said, the thing with Nick is that when they, and I know I said this when we talked about Morgan just now, when AV was ready to commit to Nick as being a full-time NHLer, part of it was, was that he felt like he had this combination of things that Nick had put together night in and night out that would make him a, a, the type of player that can contribute for his skill set consistently. And that skill set, if you read through the lines, is that he can be a bottom six guy that grinds, that's physical. I mean, he had a 40 how hat trick like two years ago, you know, like he he's got this physicality to his game and this hustle to this, to his game. And he's kind of unassuming as a player. I don't think he expects anything other than what he puts in is what he gets out. The problem is sometimes what he puts in isn't good. And then what comes out of it is bad also. And I, I just think unless there is a certain amount of, maturity mentally with him within his game I'm not talking about Nick being like a dingus or anything I'm just saying like within his game that Nick is going to have more of a pressure cooker situation than Wade does because 
I mean, Wade came into the game as an adult. He had gone through college all the way through, had dealt with an injury, came in, had a certain level of maturity, comes from really humble background, like the whole deal that is just blue collar, lunch, lunch pail kind of player. And, and, and we haven't seen him make those mistakes. Like Wade's mistakes were that at first he couldn't finish goals. Like he was putting himself in great position for goals and couldn't finish but he hasn't had mental lapses. And again, sample size is small. So that's kind of more my sleeper than any one player is that I think the revolving door could have a lot more to do with Nick than even, you know, us talking about Nate Thompson being the extra forward. I think if there's a situation where there's an extra kind of guy down the middle or guy down the left, other things get moved around and Nate gets kept in and Nick comes out because you've got a lot, as we've said before, when you look at, um, Claude, when you look at Scott, when you look at a number of players on this roster, you can put them in the middle, you can put them on the left, you can put them on the right. There's a lot of, we're pretty stacked down the left currently. Um, there's a lot of movement that you could make uh, that would allow you to keep Wade in, keep Nate in, and slot Nick out if we start to see, because it, the concern was that with Nick, it looked habitual last year. It looked like he developed bad habits. So unless those habits are mentally broken, which is difficult, but they've had a long off season. So hopefully there's time to break it. Then I think there could be issues. So that's my sleeper in that situation. I like it. Yeah. Nicholas all by Kubel. It's like, like Taryn was saying, I, I feel like he works hard, but he doesn't always work smart. And that's where the penalties came in. And you can't in a, in a fourth line role when you're on the ice as, um, so much lesser than other people. You can't lead the team in penalties taken. You just can't, and that's what happened. And that's going to get you out of the lineup. It's going to get you. Uh, it's going to get the coaching staff starting to question your, you know, your play and how smart you are. Like those guys need to be smart, and uh, it, it burned them. And yeah, I think if there's one player that really took advantage of audition time last year, it was Wade Allison. The Flyers totally opened the curtain for auditions last year. They had everyone come up and say and play and, and they gave them all chances because their season was lost and they said show us what you can do Wade Allison was the one that aced his audition he he got into the lineup and he stayed there he played 14 games and really set himself up well for training camp and to, to earn a spot um, I, I actually had him on my third line so that shows you what I think of him and what he did last year um, for me I, I don't love what I have on left wing, fourth line, I have Oscar there. That's purely because I have everyone slotted in their traditional left wing spots, and that just naturally puts Oscar on the fourth line. I don't know if he'll start on the fourth line, but I think he can play on a fourth line role, and maybe that takes a little more pressure off of him to start the season and allow him to climb. So for me, I have Oscar Lindblom on the fourth line left wing. I have Nate Thompson down the middle, and I have Nicholas Albay-Kubel on the right wing. I think he should be there. He can be there. Um, but I agree with Joe and Taryn here. I really do think he's fighting for his spot. I think he was put squarely on the hot seat when Wade Allison came up and showed what he did. Um, my sleeper is Tanner Lazinski uh, because he can play both wings and he can play center. And they liked him in the bottom six. He played fourth line when he came up and got that cup of coffee. He's a real smart kid. He's well-groomed, four-year college player. And he gives them a lot of flexibility because he can play the wing. He can play center. So that would be my my sleeper because I really think he's going to come in and be healthy after going through his injury last year that shut him down. He's going to come in and show his smarts, show that he can he can help you in different ways. So Tanner Lazinski is my sleeper. But 
good depth. Good, good, like we're talking about depth because they. It looks like they have some solid depth. Um, they'll have to show it though. I think there was times where they really lacked depth last year in their forward groups. It's why they were an inconsistent goal scoring team. I think it's why they gave up a lot of goals. Uh, the league most goals because it started up front. It wasn't just on the D and the goalies. I think it was on forwards as well. Uh, they didn't. They lacked depth, and I think that's why. Uh, why they kind of struggled there in that regard. But I think that'll be the big thing that we see adjustments when it comes to is when Chuck took over this team, he said one of the main categories he evaluated and really wanted to address was goals, goals, given goals against goals, given up goals against. Um, And then the flyers bounced back a little bit from that. And then last year really went the wrong direction with it. I bet you, if we see big forward adjustments, it is not, It'll be, it'll come down to AV, but I, I would have a feeling that the initial priority becomes addressing forward groups, not committing to their defensive assignments, less so than forward groups, not, you know, developing offensively. It'll be interesting. I'm interested. No, it truly will. And like, that, that's going to have to be an emphasis, like bottom six, a lot of it's about goal prevention. The Flyers allow more goals than anyone in hockey. Their PK was 30th in the league. Like those are issues um, and bottom six guys typically play on your PK a lot and, uh, and they have to prevent goals at five on five. So yeah, Taryn, it should be fun. A lot of fun competition, uh, for sure. Also, no one judge me. I'm at my childhood bedroom. So if and, you're and wondering why it, it looks like I'm in a pink dungeon, it's I'm at my parents' house. So please excuse the look. And Taryn's showing the faith in the Phillies too, with her hat right there. Taryn believes. Am I Jordan or am I just wearing this hat because it matches my outfit? Because am I had I- covered two of those games against the Diamondbacks at one o'clock in the morning and I was pretty mad about both of them. So <laughs> my faith is a little shaken, Jordan, to be honest with you. <laughs> that team driving me. Well, hey, uh, I think Flyers fans are saying go Flyers, right? Right now with kind of where things are. The Eagles coming off that. Let's not even get into it. Well, we want to get into it. But we know, get into it. Let's talk about but, the Ben Simmons trade possibilities while we're here. Let's really get the people going. Let's get I it just, going. I'll just say the Phillies, the Phillies as a team only had a few more hits than Taryn had during that series. So, you know, I hit things, Joe. I hit things. I might've had more than them. I hit things. <laughs> you may have. I grabbed the stick. I grabbed the hockey stick that's in studio. And I was like, I am going to throw this at something pretty soon. <laughs> and it was left-handed. So it was perfect. I was really in my sweet spot with it. Oh, I really could have, I could have, if I had a puck to hit, all those cameras would have gone out. Yeah. Briefly. Although or, my or a crossbar to hit. Too. And our our uh, our one podcast producer uh, just said Ben Simmons isn't getting traded. He'll be at Philly at the start of camp. And so there, there you go, go, guys. You can take that and debate it with the rest of everything else we've talked about to get your fire. That should make for a fun training camp. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. A big take there from Ben Barry, our podcast. You producer. know what I appreciate, though, is that this is really off topic. But you know what? Forget it. This is how it goes in the newsroom. So you guys get a peek into, like, really how things go is that Ben Simmons right immediately after saying, I'm not going to go to the Olympics because I want to stay home and work out, posted like four videos from his pool over the next four days. And I was like, maybe let's focus on the work. Like everybody's like, stop posting videos of you shooting, stop posting videos of you working out. Like we just want to see it on the court during games, whatever. I'm like, now would be the time to post those videos of you shooting some threes, in the gym and then now he switched it back over to to the workout photos where i was like the the timing of the statement and the timing of the instagram stories are not a good combination not that it's yeah it's just like 
read, you know, read the room, read the room a little bit, you know, like I should have when I wore this hat. It matches your pillows, Taryn, in your childhood bedroom. Thank Solid you. choice there. My mom put this in here. This isn't me. This is not my aesthetic, just for the record. Eh, I don't know if we believe that. It looks like that's something. I, mean, I hit you hat. as a, the, I hit you as a, as a Victorian the hat, the hat you're wearing matches the pillow. No, the hat I'm, the hat I'm wearing is very Hawaii inspired. Minus the palm tree. This is yeah. like Victorian <laughs> cottage core, okay? This podcast has gone so far <laughs> off where we were supposed to be. Karen, that's why I said I liked your hat because I knew it had the Hawaii vibes for you, that Hawaii glare. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, we will stop with the Ben Simmons talk and the Phillies talk. We will stick with Flyers. We predict the, the, uh, the entire forward lineup and our next episode, we will get into the deep pairs. So I'm glad we're doing this. It's been fun and it's definitely getting us ready for September training camp. Taryn Hatcher, thank you so much as always. Joe Fordyce, thank you as always. A special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer as well, and for his Ben Simmons take. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Aloha.